think we need to pray for Jonathan, not only for a safe return home from the conference or convention, but for his judgment and who he calls to supply in the pulpit. <laughs> it's uh, good to see you. I uh, um, appreciate this opportunity, and I couldn't believe I just got his sermon outline like a half hour ago while I was teaching Sunday school, so... I am honored to be here, and I always have, I've been preaching many years. I think I preached my first sermon in a church that was started in a school, and I think it was like 1978 when I was like 10, 11, and uh, it's always an honor to preach the Word of God, but I'm so honored to be here. I want to begin with a word of prayer, and I appreciate that. You would pray with me. Father God, what an honor to be here in this building. And Lord, although your church is not the building, we praise you for a place such as this to be able to worship you. And Lord, the faithfulness that you show us each and every day. Lord, I pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Let every word from my mouth come from your heart and let you get all the honor and glory. And I pray that each of us would leave here with that one thing we needed to hear today. And may you receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We've had a lot going on and uh, uh, been dealing with a lot. And a lot of prayers have been going up for, especially we live with our father, uh, Richard Springer. And we're in our third year. And he's been in the hospital almost a month. And we just ask you to keep praying for him. And him and I had, as he says, the coveted. Um, we're over that, but thank you for your prayers for him uh, in this time. Well, it is Father's Day. It's not a typical Father's Day for us. For Jonathan and I, this is the first Father's Day without our fathers. As we know, Jonathan's father, thank you, Tracy. The check's in the mail. Appreciate it. I still have just a touch of a, of a coveted cough. And I wanted to be prepared in case I needed to something to drink there. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, but we know where our dads are. Our dads are in heaven. My dad passed away on Labor Day weekend. And we know when Jonathan's dad passed away so a while back. So this is our first day without our dads being alive on earth. But you know what? They're having the best Father's Day they've ever had. And we have mothers who are having the best Mother's Days they've ever had, the best Christmases and all of that. And uh, I just think of that. And, you know, it's so it's sad as it is to lose loved ones or have loved ones who are sick. When Jesus is part of our lives, he just takes us and brings us to a place of comfort and one thing I always try to do, we, we do a tag team visiting with dad and um, uh, our sister goes first part of the day, my wife's in the middle part of the day and I'm late afternoon into the evening. I always try to leave with a prayer, a kiss on the forehead and an I love you. And God does that to us all the time. He's always just giving us that hug when we need it, that kiss when we need it and that I love you when we need it the most, amen? It's reflected in many ways. But I'm talking about fatherhood. Um, you can see on the screen behind me, you know, 
think about that, human and heavenly. That sounds kind of strange, doesn't it, for fatherhood? First thing I want to talk about is a, some sad statistics you might see up on the, on the screen here about the, the father absence crisis in America. And the resources for these things I'm sharing come from the United States Census Bureau of last year, from last year, and the National Fatherhood Initiative from 2019. And the, the uh, document's called Father Facts, 8th Edition. And so you can look that up. You can print this off for yourself. But let's look at this. 18.4 million children, that's one in four, are in a home without a biological step or adopted father. Do you think that makes a difference? I, I think that makes a big difference. And we're, I'm going to show you how come. Look at the effects. Four times greater risk of poverty more likely to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, and then seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, the, the daughters of fatherless homes. This is just blows my mind. More likely to face abuse and neglect, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to suffer obesity, and two times more likely to drop out of school. I am starting to hear in all the, the news that we have, and I'm not going to get into politics or the news of the day, but fortunately, if we pay attention, you'll hear more and more voices saying we need to address the problem of fatherless homes. And I really believe that there are a lot of auxiliary, um, auxiliary circumstances and causes for the problems that we face in America today, but I think that is a greatly high-priority problem. And there are heavenly fathers, of which there are many, and there is one there are human fathers, of which there are many, and there's one heavenly father. And he's the one who can make the difference. Amen? So uh, it's, it's, that's not a pleasant thing to see those stats, but as we get into our scriptures, I'm reading from the ESV, Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to start with verse 27, go through verse 4. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under the guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. 
born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And ladies, uh, this does not leave you out at all. We need to not think in human terms of son versus daughter. We need to think in the context terms of the scriptures. The word son is a Greek word, huios. It's kind of a funny, it sounds like a breakfast cereal. Um, but generally, it's used as the offspring of men. You know, the, a child born uh, to uh, the bonding of a male and female, father and mother. In a restricted sense, it's the male offspring specifically born of a father and mother. And the reason that, that uh, commentary and uh, book was enforcing that, there are some times that this is rarely used for the, the offspring of an animal, like a foal of, or a calf or something like that. They're trying to distinguish it. But in a wider sense, it's a descendant. A son is a descendant, one of the posterity of anyone, the children of Israel, sons of Abraham. And it's also a word used to describe one who depends on another, who is a father or pupil. Notice that it doesn't say that they're all boys. Nowadays, <laughs> people are getting in trouble for saying those things. I think they're up to I don't know the real number, but I heard is at least 50 genders you can put on your license in New York. This is just water, right? <laughs> that deserved a drink of water. Of water. 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 It's not the moonshine you usually give me. It's water. But we live in this crazy culture, I'm just going to say this phrase, and it's going to make total sense if you've been paying attention, as in the days of Noah. Don't kid yourself, folks. We need to get back to the basics of Scripture. Jonathan faithfully preaches this word, like it or not, the way it's meant to be preached, in all the context that's meant to be taught in, and sometimes he gives out medicine we don't like to take. But it's for him too. It's for me too. I don't, we've not preached a sermon that we didn't need. You would have loved me when I was first preaching. I typed out a manuscript and I gave a speech. Good content. But boy, you heard every word. I took all those hours to type. Now with sermon.com and Jonathan semi outlines, I don't have to work at it. But. Uh, and now it's, I, want, I just pray that we all come away with one thing that will change our lives for God's honor and glory, for his kingdom work, for the edification of the church and the blessing of people. And the world right now needs fathers in the home. This is one of the big problems. We need good, godly fathers in the home. And I know there would be people hearing this as, what about mothers? I am not discounting that, but this is Father's Day. And I are one, and so I'm taking license to talk about it. But it's important. It really is. So that's kind of the technical meaning of the word son in Greek. But then this word Abba, we, 
the only thing I knew about ABBA was a group in the 70s from Sweden. They're still great. If you listen, I like classic rock, you know. I like ABBA. I mean, it's, it's all good. And you know their songs, and we played it. Um, really disappointing in Ken not having more ABBA uh, in our... Just take note. And, uh, but it, it has the meaning of father. I was looking at one commentary... The word daddy, we've heard that many times. I've even used it from the pulpit and teaching Bible studies. It's like daddy, but it's way more than that. It, it might have a little allusion to and a reference to and an inference of a daddy, which is kind of an intimate turn. But it means it's a deep thing. Customarily, father is a title used for God in prayer in their mindset. It's more of an elevated meaning this word Abba. Whenever it occurs in the New Testament, it has the Greek interpretation joined to it that is apparently explained by the fact in the Chaldee, Abba, and Chald when you see Chaldeans and stuff, that's Iraq. I've been to Chaldea, um, and it was a, a wreck, a wreck. But you know how many times, oh, well, it's used mostly in prayer, but it's, a, it's an intimate word, referring to God as Father. But the word Father, which is the next word, and we get the word, it's pronounced pater. We get the word pater. Have you ever heard that in Latin? Is for Father. Padre. It was really funny. The British, Australian, New Zealand, and the UK soldiers overseas, when they see a chaplain, they call everyone Padre. But one of the coolest things over there is their salute. You know, we're, we, we pop one like this, you know? They are like, suh. That was really cool. And I tried to get she to do that when I came to the house. She just wouldn't buy into it. Um, 43 years of marriage, and she's still training me. You know, she had a great answer for if she'd marry again, if I go to heaven before. She said, you have got to be kidding me. It were too hard to train, and she didn't want to train another one. And all the women said, all right, settle down with your enthusiasm. But this word it, it refers to God is called the father of the stars, the heavenly luminaries, because he is their creator, upholder, ruler of all rational and intelligent beings. You get the depth of this meaning, father? Whether angels or men... Because he is their creator, preserver, guardian, and protector of spiritual beings of, and of all men, all mankind, all people, of Christians as though who through Christ have been exalted to especially close and intimate relationship with God. One of the best passages in all the scriptures, John 17. I know we call the Matthew 6 Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, and it is, it is a prayer that God taught us to pray, but it's a template for prayer. It's a, it's a blueprint. It's a, it's a guideline for how to pray. It's a how-to. It's a DIY. He was way ahead of the DIY curve there. Here's how you should pray. Can include these things. You know, honoring the Father and thanking Him for your blessings, praying for others, forgiving people. All that's in the Lord's Prayer. But the real Lord's Prayer is in John 17. That's the Lord's Prayer. May they be one as we are one. Remember, Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. He's a reflection of the Heavenly Father. 
We earthly fathers need to be reflections of the heavenly father. We need to uh, be examples of the characteristics of God without thinking that we are God. And sadly, there are some fathers who totally misinterpret and husbands who misinterpret scriptures in Ephesians and other places about submission. Now, I'm going to go there. I'm going to talk about it. It wasn't even in my notes. You just read Ephesians 5, and there's some passages in there that have been widely misinterpreted by men and women, by husbands and wives. We have a perversion of that scripture. Wives, submit to your husbands. That's it. Game stopper. End of it. We're done. Some people have perverted that thinking, see, woman, when I say it, you better do it. Does it mean that? Well, you need to read verse 21. That's why context is so important. My key emphasis verse of this passage is really verse 6 of chapter 4 of Galatians. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's really the crux of this message. You know what verse 21 says? Submit yourselves mutually to one another. I've done many years of church camp as a pastor, church camp pastor. Most of those years, I've done a couple younger ages, but I usually do junior high and high school camp. I loved it. I did almost 20 years, seriously. It's, it's a passion of mine. And we would always have time to where the women counselors and workers at the camp would take the girls and they would talk about whatever they wanted to talk to in totally confidential private setting with just females and we'd do the same with the guys. One thing we emphasize with the guys is treat your girlfriend the way you'd want your sister's boyfriend to treat her. Do you like that? Treat your girlfriend the way you want your sister's boyfriend to treat her. I am the oldest of Two I have two sisters. They're awesome. And they, they are doing caregiving for my mom, and, and they did for my dad in California, where we all grew up, dude. And um, one of the things we have is a shortage of great male examples for boys to emulate as fathers. Now, I get all my fathering instructions from... MTV, especially the beach party sequences, those are good. Guys, we have a, a severe lack of examples of godliness. There's a former NFL player who's more involved in politics now than Jack Brewer. Jack Brewer, is a, he was a, a rock-solid football player for, I think, 13 years in the NFL. And he's got an initiative where he's really pushing on this father thing. There's a guy, a pastor in Chicago, who's called Rooftop Revelations. Have you ever seen it? He's been on top praying for and interviewing people and talking about the need for fatherhood in the inner city. Did you guys know Chicago has problems? <laughs> and he's one of these guys. He grew up there. I mean, he's, he, he has an expert on that city, and he's a man of God, and he says, we need godly fathers. There's a lot of things... A lot of laws on the books, and most of those laws apparently wouldn't have stopped these terrible mass shootings, like legal, you know, technically, 
But guess what? He's up there praying for more godly fathers to be. He's been there now for almost 180 days. In the winter. Do you know Chicago gets cold in the winter? Have you ever been in that kind of weather? If you guys have never left Milton, you don't have a clue what that's about. My wife and I met in Boston. I got out of the service in the Air Force in 80, and I went finished up my full-time college there. I've been in 50 below weather. It's not fun. Of course, 130 isn't fun either, but... Um, Father's an important word. We need to understand that God is calling on men and women to be godly fathers and mothers, and so that we... Like Paul, Paul is a mere mortal human person with his history of persecution and being associated with murder and, and all of that. Paul was able to write in one of his epistles, you heard about the little boy that was asked what an epistle was, he said it was a wife of an apostle. I thought that was cute. But he, he said, Follow my example and do as I do. That wasn't Jesus saying that. was Paul, the one who held the coat so people could kill Stephen, that guy. David, after adultery and murder, became a man after God's own heart. One of the reasons there's fatherlessness or poor fathering is because the church has abrogated its responsibility to pray for godly fathers to be in homes. We need to be more proactive and on the front line of praying godly men into homes that need fathers. This is a war. Our kids are dying because of lack of godly examples. We are charged as fathers and mothers, people responsible for children and people who are the ones under our charge, if you will, our, our guardianship, to when you've seen us, you've seen the Father. Does that make sense? Well, what does that mean, Mike? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter, or excuse me, Exodus chapter 33, verse 18. It's right up there. Moses was bold enough in that famous hide him in the cleft, and he passed by, put his hand over the cleft, and got to see the back of, of God as he walked by. Remember that on the mountain? Moses said, please show me your glory in verse 18 of chapter 33 of Exodus. Wow. Look at verse 5 of chapter 4. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed. Now listen to these characteristics of our Heavenly Father. They're all right here. Not all, excuse me. The, the things you need to hear, he's, he's way more. You can't even contain enough books to contain what he is. But these are really big, important characteristics of God. Some of you might have heard me refer to this in a Bible study or something as divine, uh, God's DNA, divine nature attributes. Here they are. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, that's the first thing, he's the Lord God. He is Lord God Almighty. There is no one like him. 
Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the master of the universe. He's the creator of all. There is only one faith, one Lord, one baptism, the Bible tells us. He's the Lord. That's real important. We will never be that. But here's what kind of Lord he is. A God, merciful and gracious. Human fathers need to be, have mercy and grace. Mercy has been described as not getting what we deserve, and grace is being showered with blessings that we don't deserve at all. Amen? And so he's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. You ever lost your patience with them? I said, have you ever lost your patience? Come on, people. Uh, we've been on the receiving end, and I'm pretty sure that all you guys have been on the giving. No, we've all been on the giving end. I'm serious. It's uncomfortable. Impatience. But he's long-suffering is another way to say He's slow to anger, slow to anger. Remember James, it says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Someone said that's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. You ever hear that before? Makes sense, you know. Plus, we look really weird with two mouths. Um, but how do you speak out of both sides of your mouth? That's another sermon. He's abounding in steadfast love, steadfast love. Not fickle love, not eros love, not conditional, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of love. God's love is abounding. In other words, there's no limit to it, and it's steadfast. You can count on it. You can take it to the spiritual bank. He never, ever wavers from how much he loves you. And guess what? That love for you didn't start the day you walked the aisle of a church and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or the day you were in the baptistry getting baptized, or the day you got your first Bible, you know when it started. He said, well, I formed you where you're in the palm of my hand. I know all about you. I loved you and knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. You know when God started loving us? When God thought about making us. And guess what? God doesn't have a love meter. What are you talking about, you crazy fill-in pastor from a not-well pastor who was crazy enough to ask me, blame Jonathan. His love for us doesn't waver. I'm not going to ask for true confessions, but you do believe the word of God in Romans that say, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Right? There's none righteous. No, not one, my Bible says. If we're a one, or a, that's us, right? So if we've all sinned, in the midst of committing that sin, God's love meter stayed steady. No, I love you. What do you hear that phrase, to the moon and back? He loves you to eternity and back. He, his love doesn't waver with how we're walking with him. What does happen when we're living in the midst of sin and rebellion in our lesson today about Saul, oh my goodness, what a godly example of a father. Yes, pre-conversion, Saul was a wreck. I mean, David was a train wreck with adultery and, and with murder and 
he paid for it. And the Bible said your, your kingdom will always have trouble because of your sin. He lost his child born out of wedlock with Bathsheba and, he, and Absalom and Solomon. As, as many good and godly things he did, towards the end, he took a nosedive in decisions. You know, God's love still stayed the same. God loved David when he was doing the things he shouldn't have done. And he loved Moses when he killed the Egyptian. He loved Abraham when he was rebelling against him. And they all became men after God's own heart. His love for you does not waver one bit. But what does happen when we're walking away from him and we're rejecting him and we're being disobedient to him, his heart breaks knowing the blessings we're missing from obedience. Did you ever get in trouble for doing what your parents said? Thank you for that. No. Okay, Johnny, before you can go play with your friends, I need you to clean up your room. Johnny cleans up his room, and I don't mean under the carpet or in the closet stuffing everything. I mean cleaning the room. Good for Johnny. Get over here, Johnny. What is the meaning of this? You did exactly what I told you to do. Your room looks fantastic. Now stay in your room. We don't see that. Did you ever have to knock on your bedroom door to go into your bedroom as a kid? No. I mean, maybe if you were sharing a room with a sibling and, you know, there was a... But you know what I'm talking about. Did you buy that house? Do you pay the mortgage? Do you pay the taxes and the utilities in the house you grew up in as a child? No, your parents did. But could you say, that's my house? Yeah. I never said that's my parents' house. I gave the same address out as they did, and I didn't have anything to do with them buying the house. That's, that's abounding love. All that is his, is ours, but sometimes we're fools and don't glom onto it. and We cling to the wrong things. Our Bible study lesson was about Saul turning away from the Father's command and clinging to the things he said don't cling to and, and embracing the things that God said don't embrace. He wasn't, he was more brokenhearted, even though the Bible said in the first Kings passage of this morning's lesson that he was angry with him, but he was angry not because he all of a sudden hated him. He was angry because he was going to miss out on the blessings of letting God lavish him with his love. Another characteristic of God as a Heavenly Father's faithfulness, it says, and in verse 7 of Exodus 34, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Hello, hello, hallelujah. You ever get in trouble when you're a kid? Tracy, I think you're probably one of the only people that never got in trouble, I'm pretty sure, when he was sleeping. Um, well, you ever broke a window at your parents' house? Not meaning to, but it broke. I had two choices. The cat did it, 
The cat threw the ball through the window, or I could fess up. I was scared. But you know my dad liked, as I said, Dad, I just broke the window. Was Dad like, yay, way to go, son. Did you have a good spin on the ball? Was it, how fast did you throw it? said, I appreciate you telling me that. And that is, I'd rather, I, it hurts me more that you would lie to me than, than to not admit it. But your allowance for mowing the yard and other things I got an allowance for, you won't get till the window's paid for. Did he hate me? He loved me. You know what's weird? He was proud of me for saying I broke the window. Isn't that weird? I did it. Mea culpa. Ooh, that was almost a tongue in a Baptist church. Sorry. Um, so those are characteristics of a heavenly father. And God's saying, just imagine if these fatherless homes had fathers that loved their kids, be they stepfathers, adoptive fathers, or biofathers, like that. Don't you think crime rates would go down, drug abuse would go down, teenage pregnancy would go down? You get what I'm saying? It makes a difference to love people like God loves us. And it makes a difference when there's not a godly father in the home. In the hour I've left, I'll wrap it up. Oh, you're awake. Characteristics of a good human father. A little acronym, God put this on my heart. You can come up with your own acronym. It won't be as good, but... No, I'm just kidding. Come up with your own acronym, but here's the one God told me to share with you today. A father that God wants in the home, a human father, is faithful, above reproach, trustworthy. He's a holiness pursuer. He runs hard after God and the things of God and to obey the word of God. He's an example of godliness. In the army, they're always pushing right place, right time, right uniform. I never got in trouble in my whole army career being in the right place at the right time in the right uniform, ever. I never was chewed out. I was never demoted. I was never yelled at. When you're in the right place, right time, right uniform. How are the kids going to learn if their example of fathers and mothers aren't that way? Four-year-old little kids don't play being gangbangers, drug addicts, and mass murderers. Now, when someone becomes old enough and responsible enough to make the decision to do a heinous act, that's on them, but that doesn't mean the, the lack of godly role models or poor parenting didn't contribute to this path they went on. Do you see what I'm saying? And then a righteous relationship with the Lord. It's right there. I think there'd be less crime in America, less drug addiction in America, Less out-of-wedlock births in America. Guys, this is important stuff. Let me wrap up with this. I want to talk about the importance of spiritual fatherhood. 
I'm going to use the example of Paul and Timothy. There's so many examples of this. In Philippians, first part of verse 1, chapter 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Serving Jesus will never steer you wrong. Serving the flesh will always get you in trouble. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, they were servants of Christ to the people they were entrusted with. God loves it when godly parents do godly things to help raise godly kids. Blessings, blessings, blessings. doesn't mean you're not going to have tragedy and sadness and bad things, but he's going to be with you throughout. Colossians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Why am I talking about this? Spiritual father, what's that? That's weird. No, it isn't. It's biblical. I believe, and this has been a mantra that I've had for years in ministry, every Christian, male or female, needs a spiritual Paul, father, and we need to have a Timothy. We need to have someone who we, I call them two o'clock in the morning phone call buddies. Do you know those people? Be they blood relatives or friends or coworkers or teammates? You need it. If you don't have one, get them. We all need that two o'clock in the morning phone call, buddy. I need you to pray for me right now. Have you ever had a burden to pray for someone? And then you followed up and say, how are you doing? God really put your name on my heart and prayed. And sure enough, they have a story. I was in a restaurant picking up food to bring home and a lady sitting in the restaurant I'm just waiting you know you go to a place where you wait for it to come and you pay it she goes would you pray for me hello <laughs> no you didn't offer me money no I said yes ma'am what's your name and what's going on she told me the name what was going on and we prayed right there in the restaurant. Do you think Satan set that up? No. Do you think if God puts on your heart a desire to do a ministry that might not be something that's been done before? You know, you serve us. There, there's, there's a group of servant leaders in this church who will embrace and pray about and support Godly people doing godly things, even if it's not their idea. Even if it hasn't been done before. Do you think if a woman is raised up in this church and is aware of five pregnant teenage girls in the school system and said, Pastor, I really have a burden to do a Bible study with these girls, and I have several of them that are willing to come, and we need a place to meet. No, you can't have it. We don't have it in our budget. That's not going to happen here. Do you think Satan put that on that person's heart? Do you think Satan put on the heart of Randy and his precious family to be all those years in the lap of luxury on the mission field? Was it a 15-room penthouse and a limousine with a helicopter, Randy? Is that how it was? Was it that? Well, you had your own chef, right? What was the average income of the people you served in the mission field? Did you hear that? $100 a month. Do you know we've gone out? If you have four people now, you spend 100 bucks at a restaurant. 
That's just for three Happy Meals now. <laughs> One of the biggest tragedies of the news with all this inflation, Dad likes bacon. And before he got sick, he was eating his regular lunch, two pieces of bacon, cheetah Cheez-Its, two kinds of Lay's potato chips, and a Coke Icy. And this is before COVID, but we grieved when we saw bacon had raised 17%. We had a moment of silence, and it went to the commissary and stocked up. So everybody needs to have a spiritual father and be a Timothy, and everybody needs to be a spiritual father to a Timothy. Everybody, male and female. And if you don't have one, pray for one, and God has one waiting for you to ask him to give them to you. If you don't have your 2 o'clock in the morning phone call, buddy, you get one, because you're going to need it. I'm going to close with this. Anybody hear of Henry Blackaby? You ever hear of experiencing God? Well, I had the privilege of sitting under him in seminary. He was a visiting professor. That was 100 years ago, but he and his son, this is a good uh, devotional. I'm getting royalties, but it's Experiencing God Day by Day by Henry and Richard Blackaby, his son. I'm going to close with this. Oh, boy. Don't tell Jonathan it's past quarter after. Um, the children, he does not use a computer. He won't get to figure out how to watch this. Um, just teasing. The children of Noah, well, the verse is Genesis 7-1. Then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you alone are righteous before me in this generation. It's never the right time to do the wrong thing, and it's never too late to start doing the right thing, ever. Don't let Satan burden you with your regrets and guilt and shame of the past. His title is accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He brings up all the stuff God buried and God cleansed with his blood. Noah, you and your family are the only ones righteous. Let me save you. I want you to build. Have you been to the ark down in Kentucky? Well worth it. 450 foot, 75 feet tall, whatever wide. It's amazing. And they never had rain before. Because he was a godly father, he said, folks, we're going to serve God. I know everybody in the world hates us. They make fun of us. They cuss us out every day. What are you doing, you crazy man? What are your crazy sons doing with you? We're doing what God wants. He said, I've seen you alone are righteous before me this generation. Don't give in to the corruption of the generation." The children of Noah faced a significant decision. They lived in a world where everyone blatantly disregarded God. Boy, good thing that's not happening now. Wickedness was the norm. Sadly, that's becoming the same now. You know the amount of church attendance in America is dropping like a rock. Everywhere, all denominations. In a world rampant with ungodly attitudes and every form of wicked behavior, they were fortunate to be Noah's sons. Do you hear that? Our children are blessed when their parents are godly. They might not know it. They might not appreciate it. They might not care about it. But one day when they get out of this stupid generation, I personally believe 
in cryogenics from the age of 12 to 25 and employment for most young people, but that's another thing, then thaw them out and collect money from them. It doesn't matter if they understand it. You don't do it to be appreciated. Do you call your, are, are your kids your buddy, your pal, your chum? Mom and dads, oh, you can call me Mike, son. You can call your mom she. Would you ever tell, call a coach or a teacher their first name? That doesn't work well with your drill sergeants in basic, let me tell you. you think I'd learn after five times. It's mom and dad. My oldest son, Josh, our boys are both born June 29th, and they'll be 35 and 31. Guess when? There you go. You're paying attention. You know what my sons call me? Dad. You know what they call their, my wife? Mom. You know what my son did at the airport when we said goodbye? Gave me a kiss and a hug and said he loved me. He doesn't even live close to here. I'll take that any day of the week over any gift because I know people live next door to their kids and they don't talk. And a lot of it has to do with godless parents raising godless children. And we've got to make an effort to stop that. When their father invited them to spend the next hundred years building an ark in obedience to a word from God, Noah's sons had to choose. I hadn't thought about that before. They didn't have to help dad. Now, they would have suffered the consequences of everybody else and not been able to be saved in the ark, right? They had to choose. A hundred years to build a boat for what? There's not even rain. No, I love the sense they cho choose to join their father. You know reason there are generations of drug addicts? Because grandpa was a drug addict, dad was a drug addict, and now the kid's a drug addict, and now the grandkid's a drug addict. Same with crime, same with game ganging. What a wonderful testimony of Noah's godly influence in his home. That's what it's all about. We're going to leave an imprint, an impression, and a testimony and a witness. It's either be good or bad. And we're leaving it all the time, and usually it's without saying a word. Noah's sons had to choose. They chose to join their father. How fortunate for Shem, Ham, and Japheth that their father refused to compromise his integrity, even though everyone else in society had done so. Your life has an influence on those around you as well. Your spouse and your children are profoundly affected by, will be profoundly affected and all be impacted by your life. As the world tries to persuade people to follow its standard, your life should stand in stark contrast an example of a righteous person. Your life should convince those around you of the wisdom of following God. Do not underestimate the positive effect of your obedience that will have upon those close to you. Can I get an amen?
human fathers and one heavenly father. That's what Father's Day should be about. Let's pray. And after I pray, uh, uh, we'll have a deacon come up and, and close us out. And at the, after the invitation, and Randy and I will be standing up here to receive and pray for anyone who cares to come as God has burdened your heart with any decision or testimony or thing that you have. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for Father's Day. With you as our Heavenly Father, it's always Father's Day. Help us not to ignore that. Help us to strive to live lives where those dependent on us see us in the right spiritual place, right spiritual uniform, and the right spiritual time. Let us not be the reason our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids go astray. Help us to give them a reason to see what right looks like. Thank you for the godly examples we saw in Jesus on earth as your son and for the other examples we've had. We praise you for your loving kindness and your faithfulness and all the character qualities that you bestow on us from the Exodus passage. May you receive honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.